together. Father God, we just thank you for this morning, Lord, and we thank you for this church, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are blessing us, Lord, and that we do see your hand, Lord. Father God, we just invite you right now. Holy Spirit, come. Come and move in our lives, Lord. Come and have your way in our lives, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're good and you're faithful. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, our Deliverer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're making a way for each individual in this place, Lord. Come and have your way in our lives, Lord. We long for you, Lord, and we desire you, Lord. And we come and we submit ourselves to you, Lord. Come and have your way, Lord. Speak through Pastor Paul, Lord. Change us, Lord. Oh, we long to be changed by you, Lord. Come and have your way, Lord. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We are so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Bless you. Welcome to Church on the Hill. If I can, I was going to do this at the end, but I'm afraid if I run out of time, I won't do it again. Let me talk to you just for a minute about some things that we've got going on. I mentioned we're, we're looking at a building program. We're looking at growing. Our Sunday school spaces are full. Our children's church, our preschools, our educational areas are just completely full. And really, if everyone were to show up for a, a dinner function, we could never hold everybody in our fellowship hall. This gymnasium is not just for the gymnasium's sake. It is mainly for a fellowship hall's sake um, to be able to seat about four to 500 people in it to where we could serve the entire church a full a full uh, kitchen. Um, the youth and the children's church would move into that room and use half the gymnasium for their space and just increase their, their square footage dramatically. Um, also, it, having the gymnasium would give us a, a possibility of an overflow or possibly a temporary sanctuary when we fill this sanctuary completely up and look at building a new sanctuary. Looking at about eight classrooms, church, we're so excited. Um, we, we have kind of a, uh, it's, it, it's, not a, it's not written in stone, but I believe it basically is that we want to have half the funds for this project before we ever break ground on the the first day and I feel like we're just about halfway there and I will just tell you what a miracle it's been that God has done in our church and in our finances over the last four years um, I'm not going to go into it this morning but we were we were in a tough spot and God just has miraculously um, delivered us over and over and over and we've made so many major improvements in this church in the last four years and Yet God has still allowed us to, to save and to be financially stable, I guess, for a lack of a better term. And praise God for that. He sneaks up on us, and sometimes we don't see him coming. And yet there he is. All right. Peace. I had quite a few people text me saying that they were on their way to get some peace on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday. What do you mean? Well, I was talking about Starbucks. So everybody thinks they're so funny and thinks they can, they'll just text me and let me know they're going to buy them some $5 piece. Good luck with that. Tell me how long it lasts you. Everybody thinks they have the, keys, the key to peace of mind. I started this last week. But the truth is very few people are peaceful. 
Even Christians don't have peace. Most carry this high degree of stress and anxiety and tension. And as a pastor, we looked at this last week. I've noticed three things that tend to rob our peace. I'm going to go through these real quickly. You know what? I did not. Hey, Blake, I did not put the little USB thing in there. Can you do that for me real quick? Can you hit the trackpad for me a couple times and then pop that thing in? There we go. Number one. This was what robs your peace when circumstances are uncontrollable. When circumstances are uncontrollable. Did you know that most of the major things in your life are out of your control? Yet it robs our peace when we try to control the things that are uncontrollable. It's, uh, did you find it? Blake, it's right there behind the screen. There we go. Thank you. Number two, when people are unchangeable. How many know people don't like to change? We resist change. We want to say we're all this proactive, very uh, liberal, and I don't mean that in a political term, but we're, we're ready for change. Yeah, bring it on until somebody says, this is going to change in your life. And all of a sudden, the, the hair pops up on your back. You ever, see, you ever seen somebody's hair raise up on the back of their neck? Change. The quickest way to lose your your peace is to try to change somebody because people aren't going to change most of the time. So we get frustrated. Number three, when problems are unexplainable. You know, we can't explain everything. Life is not getting to a getting to a point in your life and then living happily ever after. Right. For some reason, tomorrow comes. And it brings its own set of problems, doesn't it? And we lose our peace. But I want you to know that God has promised you. It is a promise of God. God has promised you peace. One of the Hebrew names of God, and as we've been looking at these names of God, one of the Hebrew names of God is Jehovah Shalom. And the word Shalom means peace. You put those two together, it means I am the God of peace. He is the God of joy. And he is the God of peace. Well, if I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I've been baptized by his spirit, and I've been baptized in water, should I not have peace? Yes, the church should have peace. One of the most most used greetings in the New Testament between Christians is grace and peace. We are to live peaceful lives. Three times... In uh, uh, John chapter 20, Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he said in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. It's not something you work for. It's not something you deserve. It's not something you try for. You don't beg for it. You don't plead for it. You just get it. It is a gift. Then we say, well, why don't we have it? Why don't we have it? Can I just tell you that peace has nothing to do with problem-free living? If you wait until all your problems are worked out, if you're waiting for everything to be worked out for you, for you to have peace, you're never going to get it. 
You're never going to get it because Jesus said in the world you will have problems. You will have things to face. Please don't live in some naive world where you think because you've got Jesus Christ in your heart that you are problem free the rest of your life. Test is going to come. Tests are going to come. You are going to have tribulation. You can count on it. Peace of mind mind does not come from conflict-free living. Much of your life is going to have conflict. But did you know you can have peace of mind in the conflict? Peace of mind is the result of three important decisions that you need to make. Three choices. And when you choose these things, it will produce peace in your life. It is the choice of acceptance. It is the choice of trusting. And it is the choice of surrender. It's funny, the kid's timing is always perfect. Acceptance. Trust. And surrender. So number one, we accept what cannot be changed. I hope to hopefully do you some sermon notes in the next few weeks because I feel like we're going to need to need to have some of this written down. You know, when you write something down, you remember it better, even if you never refer back to the notes. If you just take the time to write it down, something happens in your brain. We have found that people learn over 90% of their learning comes from visual visual stimulus so i try to be as visual as i can but there's something else that happens when you take a pen and you write it down even if you just wrote it on your bulletin and you threw your bulletin away after service or you go to some restaurant that gives you 10 percent for showing up with a bulletin maybe they'll see your notes and they'll receive from it too so write them neatly and tip well if not they're going to tear it up and think less of you and they'll apply that to church on the hill don't show up with your bulletin for 10% off if you're not going to tip. Christians should be the best tippers, not the worst. And I believe almost every person that waits tables would say Sundays are the worst days for tips. Isn't that pitiful? Isn't that pitiful? Don't give them a, don't give them a church on the hill card. Tip big and then give them one. Amen. Accept what cannot be changed. Worrying about what cannot be changed will not give you peace. Becoming resentful and bitter about what can't be changed won't give you peace. Feeling guilty about the things that can't be changed will not give you peace. So stop beating yourself over the head. You know, have you ever taken a test in school and you made a terrible grade and you just spend the next... 48 hours to 72 hours worrying about it and fretting over it what 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 can you do to change that you can't change it you can't go you can't just wake up and say god would you please change that from a 62 to a 92 and i'm gonna wake up in the morning and this is gonna be changed like ferris bueller goes in and and logs into the church computer and changes his grade what did i say the church computer the school computer (laughs) well wouldn't it be nice if we could log into the church computer and change our grade did y'all get that we could just wipe our sin out and log in and 
but that grade's still there. It's gone. It's done with. There's nothing we can do now to affect it. The things that you said to your spouse last night is over. I hope you have repented and you've asked for forgiveness. Once you've done that, let it go. It does no good to worry about what can't be changed. Having self-pity over the things that can't be changed in your life will not give give you peace. There's only one thing that will bring peace in your life, and that is acceptance. Acceptance of what can't be changed. Let me me show you an example in the Bible. 2 Samuel, verse chapter 12. If you are in your one-year Bible, we have, I believe we've just read this. It's the story of King David, who had a young baby that was dying. You know the story? And David did everything that he knew to do to keep him alive. Do you remember what he did? He prayed in the temple for seven days, all night long. He fasted, he wept, he cried, he pleaded with God, saying, God, please save this baby. And on the seventh day, the baby died. God did not answer his prayer. I don't know why he didn't. You know, David had sinned, but I don't know why God didn't say, didn't, didn't change his mind. Someday we will learn why he did not answer that prayer. I've, I've laughed and I've joked so many times about me and Elizabeth and our four babies and our quiver being full. You know what? My quiver is not full of four babies. My quiver is full of six. We've had two to miscarry. Those are mine. Those are what God gave me. And for some reason, they died. They didn't make it. Well, someday I'm going to see them. They were a living thing created by God. So my quiver holds more than maybe what we see now. And I don't understand it. Elizabeth and I didn't understand it. We wanted to say, what did we do wrong, God? But we can't answer everything. And we could sit here and live in depression the rest of our life over those two things. Not to mention everything else that's happened in our lives. But we can't change what happened. You know, we went to, we went to a Benny Hinn meeting. We went to, uh, we went to Brownsville. We went everywhere we knew to go to try to save those babies. We got on our face. We prayed. We tithed. We're, we, you know, as a tither, it says that my, my fruit will not fall off the vine before it's time. You know what I did? I go to God. God, I don't understand. This is what your word says. I don't do everything right, but I do know the word to stand on. Why, God? And you know, for some reason, God didn't give me an answer. But I can't live there. He gave me another one. He gave me Ruth Ann, and he gave me Sarah Beth. He knew just what to give us. I can't explain it. But I can't live where I can't. I, I, I've got to accept where I am. It doesn't mean in the heat of the battle when she was bleeding and there was problems that I didn't pray. But you know what? It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Even if God doesn't save us, I'm going to serve him. Even though in our minds we, we might want to even consider God, what are you doing? How can I keep going like this? But then you stand back up and say, okay, God. I've got to trust that you know what's going on in the midst of our pain. David cried. He pleaded. He was passionate. And he was a man after God's own heart. All the kings that did right in God's eyes, the best ones were compared to David. So why? And David's advisors heard how he was pleading and crying. And they were scared to death. 
They thought, this guy's nearly over the edge with the baby near death. When he finds out the child's actually died, he's going to lose it. I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. I'm not going to tell him. So they were afraid to tell him, but David heard him talking. And he said, has the child died? And the men said, yes. What did David do? David got up. He took a bath. He put on fresh clothes and he ate a meal and he went on with his life. He went back to work and the advisors were astounded. They said, what are you doing? You were in agony when he was near death. Now he's died and you're okay. What are you doing? David said, the child has gone to heaven and one day I will die and I will be reunited and go to heaven with that child. In the meantime, there's nothing else I can do. I've got to get back to work. I accept what God has done. I feel like I have done everything that I know to do in my power to save that child. God chose not to. Now it's time to get on with life. I I, I don't know that I I could do what he did there but i want you to know david was a man after god's own heart and god had a plan a few weeks ago we saw the we looked at the apostle paul and how when he was taken to rome put in prison and awaiting execution that he wrote the book of philippians one one of the most positive books in the bible and we learned a few weeks ago how it says i have learned to be content right y'all remember that philippians 4 11 says i have learned to be satisfied we're going to look at this again with the things that I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I'm poor. I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. When I have enough to eat, when I go hungry, when I have more than I need, and when I do not have enough. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Notice the first thing. The first thing is acceptance. It was a learned experience. And you have to learn by going through tough times. If you protect your child from every tough thing they could ever go through, you are robbing them of learning how to get through something. You've got to test them to get them ready for the next test. You have got to position them to learn to live their own life so that when they get out, They're not leaning on mom and dad the rest of their life. That's hard. That's hard as protective parents. I'm going to continue to be a protective parent, but I'm also going to raise my kids to know how to make decisions and make them on their own. Get out there and make this decision on your own, and I'll be right here to help you. Yeah, you might have missed that one, but that's okay. You've learned from it, learning to accept in the experience. Do you hear that? Learning to accept in the experience it's a choice and it's only possible by the supernatural power of god and you're not going to learn to really accept things without god's power in your life but let me tell you one thing that keeps you from peaceful circumstances and i'm gonna i'm almost done here what keeps you tense and nervous and stressed out about the things in your life is when you demand an explanation when something goes wrong in your life something doesn't happen the way you think you say why Why, God, why is this happening? Why did you allow this? Why is this happening to me? Yesterday, we're out swimming. My kids are at my mom and dad's, and we're out swimming, and I finally decide I'm going to get in the pool, and the kids all light up. Oh, yay, daddy's going to get in the pool because I'm going to aggravate them and 
you know, just bug the snot out of them and dunk them and take them to that point of crying, but then really kind of liking it, but not really knowing should I cry or should I really like this? You know, that's what dads do. Moms go and clean up the mess. Dad makes the mess. But I'm walking in the pool and Sarah Bet or Betty, Betty goes, Daddy, you need on sunscreen. Going, no, honey, I'm not going to put any on. Well, that's not fair. This this five-year-old, she understands fair because she's at the short end of the totem pole. She's at the short end of the stick. And you know what? Everything's got to be fair for her. And pretty much it all flips to her advantage anyway. So I'm going to try this on daddy. That's not fair. And I said, I didn't ask you whether it was fair. Life's not fair. Sarah Beth, something you got to learn. Life's not fair. Do you all know that? Life's not fair. Praise God. God says that I'm going to reap somebody else's what they've sowed. That's not fair to the person that sowed it, but God said it. I'll take it. We don't complain about fairness when it falls in our area. Never once does Sarah Beth say, that's not fair that I got the front seat twice and my other sisters and brothers had to sit in the back. The others are fussing. Through my diet, I would drink diet drinks at diet drinks at dinner. And the kids would go, why does daddy get a soda? While we're, while we're having to drink milk. I'm not going to explain it to you. You just need to drink milk. Well, that's not fair. Well, I don't care. Sometimes you just can't explain it. Why, what's wrong with diet drinks? Why is it unhealthy for daddy to drink diet drinks, but it's not for me to drink diet drinks? Well, it's hard to explain. Daddy needs to lose some weight. So we're going to take a little bit of a, draw, uh, a, a, a compromise knowing what's in these diet drinks so that he can get to this point. What's in the diet drinks? Aspartame. What's aspartame? You know, eventually, five-year-old, we're done. But the same thing with God. God says, I will flat blow your mind if I explain to you why everything happens. You don't always have to have an explanation. Number one, God doesn't owe you an explanation. When I don't want to put on sunscreen, I don't have to tell her why. It's not going to affect you at all. Just don't worry about it. You don't need to even worry about that. Don't worry about it. He's not obligated to explain everything that he does to you. Parents, you're not obligated to tell your kids everything. Sometimes they just need to accept it because of who you are and because of who they are. That's authority. Authority is accepting what the person says, whether you get an explanation or not. God doesn't owe it to you. You're the creation. He's the creator. God's a good God. He's a just God. He's a fair God. He's a loving God. He understands things that you don't. You just need to say, okay, God. Okay. I don't understand it. I don't understand why I've got to get, give 10% of my own tithe of my own money. But you said to do it. I don't understand it all. I don't understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All this stuff seems a little kooky. But okay, God, give it to me. It is a kingdom alignment when you say, okay, without the reason. When a child comes under a teacher and can't understand why, that is him coming under that authority. And there is a blessing for that child. 
He doesn't owe you an explanation. Number two, even if he did, you wouldn't understand it or agree with it. It would be too much. God's mind is so much greater than your mind. You can't comprehend all his ways. There are so many forces at work in your life, in your family, in our world, and that throughout history, that if God sat down and took the time to to explain to you why this little decision is going to affect generations. We don't see how the decisions that God makes in our lives that we don't understand are affecting our children, our wives, our lives, our finances, our boss, our church, your pastor. We couldn't handle it. Do you hear me? Number three, explanations never bring peace anyway. Have you ever gotten an explanation that just made it worse? I wish he hadn't have even explained that. That just makes me even more mad. I don't get it. Explanations rarely or never satisfy. What comforts us is the presence of God in our lives. When the presence of God comes into your life, your problem diminishes. It no matter, it no longer matters why. Not God's explanations, but God's care and concern and comfort. Stop looking for things you don't really need. Amen. I'm going to stop there. It's good. I'm, I'm right now ready to start on Job. Job did not get an explanation. He did not understand why he was going through what he was going through. And that's where we'll pick it up next week. Job is such a powerful book. Let me tell you, Job's hard to read. It's a lot of sad and then a little bit of victory at the end. But I want you to know, we don't have to understand it all. We just have to accept, trust, and surrender. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for today, Lord. I just ask you to help us to accept where we are. It doesn't mean if we've gotten a bad report from the doctor that we let our guard down and just say, okay, it's not what that means. It just means we can't change that report. We can't change the things that we've walked in here with. But Lord, what we can change is by turning it to you. And Lord, again, we hear the scripture over and over and over that all things work for good for those that love him and are called to his purpose. That bad report that you got yesterday, if you will give it to God, if you will accept, if you will trust and surrender, God is going to work that for good. God is not a liar. He is faithful. And his word will not return void, but it will accomplish everything that it was set forth to do. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to understand it all. Lord, I thank you that I don't have the pressure of the world's decisions. Lord, help me and help this body to accept where we are, Lord. To be content with where we are but willing to push forward in our acceptance and our trusting and our surrendering to you. Thank you, Lord. If there is anybody here that has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today is the day. Will you say this prayer? Will you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. Save me, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross and that you were raised from the dead and that you are now in heaven with God the Father. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. 
Would you do that today? If you've never done that and you want to do that today, I ask you to walk this aisle this morning. If those that are ministering would please come forward. If you have a prayer need, if you have a health issue or a financial issue or a marriage or an emotional issue, if you have a family issue, whatever you've got going on, I want you to know that God sees your faith when you step out. And I just ask you to step out and let us pray for you. The scripture says that I am Jehovah Rophi. I'm the Lord, your healer. It's time to trust and it's time to surrender. It's time to surrender. Everybody stand with us and let's sing. And I just ask you to come up and let us pray for you.